Welcome to Mammoth Community Christian Church. It's, it's such a joy to gather with you in God's presence as, as we as just broken, authentic people go to our source of life, our source of grace, Jesus Christ. Well, this morning, it's a very special privilege to hear from our elder of our English congregation and youth ministry. And it's just it's, it's one of my greatest joys in this church to serve closely with Elder James. And so let's just, let's just thank him for all he does for our church as he comes forward. Good morning. I have been preaching a series of messages on Israel's Exodus journey to the Promised Land. And this morning, we will be reading from Exodus 17. All the congregation of the people of Israel move on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at the Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do? With this people, they are almost ready to storm me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there, on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? The first thing we notice from today's message is the Israelites are on the move again in their wilderness journey. Let's summarize their journey so far. They departed from Egypt and reached the Red Sea where God miraculously parted the waters for them to cross it. They then journeyed through the wilderness of shore and arrived at a place called Mara. At Mara, they encountered bitter water, but God made water sweet for them to drink. After that, they traveled to Elin, and encamped by the twelve springs of water and the seven palm trees. From there, they continued 
to the wilderness of sin, where God provided them with manna for their daily food. And then they proceed from there and come to Raphadim, the location of today's text. I previously used this chart to show a recurring pattern of complaints among the Israelites as they encounter difficult challenges in various events. We look at the pattern from four aspects. It always begins with a crisis, followed by their grumbling reaction to the situation. Then God's gracious action to help them overcome the challenge. And finally, the valuable lessons God intended for them to learn and grow. In today's passage, we see the Israelites fall into the same pattern of behavior again at Raphadim. The crisis this time is no water to drink. Water is vital for survival and essential for maintaining basic body functions. No water is even more life-threatening than no food they encountered before. So they grumble against Moses and bitterly blame him for bringing them out of Egypt only to die in the wilderness. Apparently, their grumbling this time caused Moses to be more concerned about their attitude than before. We can sense this concern from his tone when he responds to them. Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? We can also hear his distress in the words when he cries out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Their constant grumblings and the lack of faith are beginning to wear on him. Here appears to be increasingly annoyed and tired of their behavior. He alertedly points out they are testing the Lord in their complaints. He then appears to God with the urgency of the matter, expressing, expressing his worry about the potential unrest due to people's discontent. They are on the verge of stoning him. Despite their ungrateful claims in their complaint, God still graciously provides water for them to drink from the rock, as he has done to meet their needs in the past. However, this event reveals that their tendency to test the Lord is a serious issue that undermined their faith. To remember the significance 
of the event, this place is given two names. Masa, meaning testing, and Meribah, meaning quarreling. Because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among is the Lord among us or not? Their questioning of whether God is truly with them and providing for them signifies their doubt and the challenge to God's presence and the provision. Despite being delivered from slavery in Egypt by God's mighty power and witnessing many miracles during their journey, they still question God's presence with them and the provision for them. This reflects a fundamental issue where people often forget what God has done for them and focus only on their current predicament. Their ungrateful complaint exposes their unbelief and disobedience. Whenever you read about Israel's Exodus journey through the wilderness to the promised land, it's always important to bear in mind that they do not journey through the wilderness by themselves. God is constantly with them and leading their way. He leads them in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, manifesting his presence and guidance for them. However, we must recognize God's interests may not be always aligning with our interests. He intends to use our experiences as opportunities for learning and growth. The challenges we encounter in life serve us as the specific ways to learn the lessons we need. Our character and identity are often shaped by the trials we endure. Therefore, God sometimes places us in the situations to challenge and mold us. The Israelites are tested by God in the wilderness in multiple occasions. In the event of Martha, God turns the bitter water to sweet for them to drink. He sets statue for them and tests them to see if they will diligently listen to his voice and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. The Hebrew word for test is nasa. It is also can be translated to tempt, to try, or to put to proof. God is omniscient. He knows the face and heart of every individual, but he tests us to reveal to us how deeply we trust and obey him in challenging times. 
in the wilderness of sin. When Israelites grumble about lacking food, God says, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. The Hebrew word, Nasa, is used here again. God gives an instruction on how to gather the mala for their daily needs. He then tests them to see whether they obey his instructions. In both of these events, we can see their vulnerability in the harsh desert environment with limited access to food, water, and other resources for their basic needs. This is a significant challenge, especially given the large number of people traveling together in the desert. God's provision of water and food is crucial for them and demonstrates his power and care for them. His instructions come to remind them of their reliance on him and his provision. These instructions are mainly intended to guide and direct them in their relationship with God. They need to learn about God's nature and his ways of leading them and providing for them. They must trust God and obey his instructions. With this in mind, we can see God tests them out of his love to help them learn and grow. His tests in the wilderness unveil what's inside of them and what is lacking in them, remind them of his compassion and faithfulness, teach them the significance of depending on his provision every day, demand their trust and obedience, and provide opportunity for them to strengthen their relationship with him. In essence, his purpose is to reveal the condition of their faith and to help them to mature in him. We have to recognize this is also what God is doing in our lives today because he wants us to grow and be able to live by faith, not by sight, when we encounter struggles. We shall find the story of Israel's journey relevant and valuable to us. The tests experienced by then hold significance for our spiritual journey as well. Their story can provide precious insight for us to navigate our spiritual journey today. Their experiences serve as lessons and examples to guide our faith and the relationship with God. That's why starting their journey 
and placing ourselves in their context to seek a deep connection with God is a powerful way for us to learn and be transformed. Now, as we explore today's incident at Raphadim, we can see that this is another test of their faith and reactions as they encounter the water problem. But instead of submitting to God's test, they end up testing God by questioning, is the Lord among us or not? This is a much deeper issue than their usual pattern of complaints. The word test here is the same Hebrew word, Nasa, again. It implies that they are testing the Lord by putting God in a position to prove himself. Besides their forgetfulness and ungratefulness, they even challenge God's presence and care for them. Testing the Lord is a serious matter because it shows their distrust of God's faithfulness and goodness. When they question why they are brought out of Egypt only to die of thirst in the wilderness, and whether God is here with them and care for them, it not only shows their fear of no water and their frustration with God's promises on their journey, it also shows their doubt and uncertainty about God's faithful involvement in their lives. How can God allow this situation to happen if He is really present? On top of that, their questions essentially demand God's provision of water. They will only believe in God's presence and care for Him, care for them, if God provides them with water to drink. Testing God takes many different forms, but it often involves demanding a sign or a proof for people's desired outcome. This is precisely what happened in this incident. Testing God comes from a self-centered mindset that can cause various negative consequences on our relationships with God. It can lead us to a distorted understanding of God's nature, character, and sovereignty. It also can cloud our perception of how God works in our lives. One harmful effect is it hinders the development and growth of our faith and impairs our ability to trust God wholeheartedly. Our faith plays a significant role 
in the assurance of our identity as God's children. So testing God may hamper us from full embracing our identity in God. When Jesus was fasting in the wilderness, the devil came to lure him, to prove his identity as the Son of God. The devil asked him to jump out from the highest point of the temple so that God has to send angels to save him. But Jesus refused to fall into the trap. He responded with the scripture from Deuteronomy 6.16. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus was tempted by the devil, but he refused to test God's faithfulness in order to prove his identity as the Son of God. Actually, he affirmed his identity in connection with God the Father by demonstrating the power of God's word. He understood testing God in such a manner was inappropriate and contrary to God's will. He, his response displayed his confidence in God's perfect plan for him. His obedience to the Father's purpose for him. Jesus' action set an example for us to follow. His commitment to honoring God's word and resisting the temptation to test God demonstrate the right attitude and action we should adopt in our own lives. If we try to test God by manipulating God to move for our sake, it is wrong and unacceptable by Him. Another negative consequence of testing God is it is actually testing God's grace and the patience with us. From Psalm 95, we read, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they have, been, have seen my work for 40 years, I know of that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This passage recounts God's judgment against the generation of Israelites who were led out of Egypt by him. It emphasizes the significance of Massa and Meribah, which symbolizes their attitude towards God during the 40 years of wandering in the desert. 
Instead of cherishing God's faithfulness and goodness, they keep complaining, testing God, and forgetting what He has provided for them. Despite being warned repeatedly not to harden their hearts, they continue to go astray from God's ways and provoke God by their lack of faith and the disobedience. Eventually, they were disallowed from entering the promised land. So it's important to understand that when we put God to the test, we are essentially testing His grace and the patience with us. God is patient with us due to His grace and mercy. He patiently endures with us because He desires to show His mercy and save us from His wrath. This reminds us that we should always listen to God's word and heed His warning carefully and resist anything that would lead us away from Him so that we won't fall into the same judgment. Now let's pay attention to how God replies to Moses' question. When he asks, what shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. God's answer is to give them water to drink. Let's read carefully about what God says and how the water is provided here. He says to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking your hand, the staff with which you strike the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it and the people will drink. Have you noticed what God says He will do? This is the first time when God does a miracle through Moses. He's specifically asking to do it this way. Pass on before the people. Taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. It doesn't mean God is not present in the previous miracles Moses carried out, such as the ten plagues in Egypt, the Red Sea parting and the crossing, the turning of bitter water to sweet, and the provision of manna from heaven. God is always present in those occasions. He is the one performing the miracles through Moses, but clearly spilling out the way to carry out this miracle. It shows how serious 
God wants to make this moment public, and how and have it witnessed by the elders of Israel. When Israel deliberately tests God by saying, "Is the Lord among us or not?" It can be seen as an accusation of God, indifferently abandoning them to die of thirst in the desert. As one commentator says, it is like putting God on a judicial trial and demanding Him to take a stand to prove for Himself. This may provoke God's wrath, as Israel's demanding proof, despite all the miracles and provision that God has done for them. However, God doesn't respond by judging them. He demonstrates His presence with them on the rock, and supplies water for them. From the rock, it shows God's patience with these undeserved people, and His continued grace towards them. Moreover, God shows them how He provides the water from the rock by using the same staff as the one used in the first plague. In Egypt, in the first plague, Moses was instructed to use this staff to strike the Nile River and turn waters into blood. In this event, the same staff is used again to strike the rock and make the water come out. It demonstrates in both miracles. People experience the grace and provision from the same power of God. God has been with them, rescuing them, and providing for them all the time. The rock and the water here are mentioned in other parts of the Bible and interpreted with special meaning. For example. God is called the Rock in the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy. In the New Testament, Paul writes in First Corinthians, "For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses." In the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Here, Paul helps us understand the spiritual significance of this rock and the water from this event. The rock of Massa struck by Moses symbolizes 
Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate rock, smitten for us, and endured the punishments for our sins. Similarly, the flowing water from the smitten rock represents the blood and the water flowed from Jesus' body during his crucifixion on the cross. This water provides us with the living water of grace and salvation. It is available for us to drink and be refreshed. It will continue to nourish us and never run dry. We are called to trust in the Lord and to drink from His abundant living water. He desires us to receive the blessings He provides us for our true needs. Therefore, we must be mindful not to test Him in our lives and miss out on His blessings. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace and the patience with us all the time so that we do not provoke your rest in our lives with testing you. Although it's so easy for us to do so, I just pray for your work specifically on us to remind us, to examine us, to show us when and how we have been testing you so that we can avoid from our lives and be able to receive the blessings from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.